Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey, where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. What if I told you that a lot of the pain and difficulty and adversity you're experiencing is simply God aligning your now so you can be prepared for your tomorrow? Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get On Course. What's up, family? How's everything going? It's your man, Gerard Bonner of Bonnerfied Radio, and this is On Course with Hart Ramsey. It's your opportunity to hear from the heart of God by way of the man of God as we're talking about all sorts of wonderful things going on in our world. Pastor Hart, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Gerard. How are you doing? I am good. So... <laughs> It's 2019. We haven't had a conversation about one of your favorite people on planet Earth. (laughs) That would be Donald Trump, (laughs) who is responsible for the longest government shutdown in U.S. history. At this point, we're a month in. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's a lot. So let, let's have this conversation because I know, you know, there are a lot of people who have short memories, so they may not remember that this is certainly not the first government shutdown, but they certainly didn't go like this and they weren't over issues like this. So let's start. What are your thoughts on this whole government shutdown that is certainly now past day 30? Well, well this is this is bullying its height. Mm-hmm. Um, he is. He actually said he was going to do it. He's, he shut the government down, of course, because he wants money for the wall. Mm-hmm. He wants them to add what five billion dollars to the to the package that they approved. Yes. So that he could have money for his wall, so he could keep his promise to his base and secure in his mind re-election. The problem with what 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 he's doing is that's not that's not what this is for. In the, right. <laughs> this, He's, you know, I think the thing that gets me about this guy is that is that why can't people not see who he is? I just don't get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you have all these families. There are people working. Eight hundred thousand people. It's a lot of people are working without pay, and they've been working without pay for a month. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of people. It is a lot of people, and so and and what I what I really believe right now, and I'll say this from the outset, that I think that the that the Republican led House. They're, right now, they're being backfooted. Mm-hmm. There should be a. I would, if I were them, this is a chess game. Yeah. I mean, he he proved a long time ago this is not checkers. This is chess. And so, what you need to do is, if if this if your opponent is trying to um stall or play games, then you you go right for the queen. You let's start uh, <laughs> let's start going after his king or his queen. Let's let's start making the game interesting. Right. Stop going after the pawns. Um, this what I think they should do, and this is gonna take somebody off, especially if you're a Trump supporter listening to this. I'm going to say this: they need to initiate impeachment papers. Mm. If I was them, I'd, I'd go straight for the juggler. You see, one one of the things that we don't realize is that the damage he's doing now it's gonna take about thirty years to undo. Right, right. It's gonna take thirty, and so now we, what we have is is we have a, a, a national crisis that's on top of a national crisis. Because our government is is having people work and they're not being paid. Right. It, it it's <laughs> it's frightening because you know 
we hate the idea of working without getting paid like there's just that's just not gonna happen um but certainly you tend to think that a government job is ideally the most secure job in the country you know and so for a lot of people that is the goal to work for the government because they're great benefits you're great pay you know all those types of things but you're dealing with 800,000 people, 800,000 families from all across the country who are now in spaces where, you know, I, I read of one scenario where uh, they had given her, uh, this one lady, a letter to be able to present to her landlord to be able to say, hey, look, I'm furloughed. I can't pay the rent. And the landlord wouldn't accept it. The right. landlord gave them 14 days. And yeah. uh, so now we're looking at a group of people who were seemingly in a secure space that are now potentially looking at being homeless and which is crazy they're in lines at soup kitchens that is insane oh, but they're working a full job working a full job like how it 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 boggles my mind because this clearly doesn't make sense so do we say see an end in sight and what do you think the end ends up being i, I think i think that uh the people advising the president are convinced that uh if they hold out long enough the powers that be will buckle and give them what they want mm. what 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 saddens my heart is they don't they don't mind using the american people as as pawns in this, they're like, so what if if eight hundred thousand people uh, can't get paid? That's a small price to pay in their minds, or mm. to get our wall. Wow. And 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 uh, I think the way it's going to play out is, if the Democrats hold out and say no, we're not going to do this, then then these people are master liars. They've pro proven in the last couple of years that they will tell lies about anything they don't mind gaslighting right so so by the time and this is going to be uh, we're going to experience some um revisionist history because what's going to happen is they're going to turn around and say that the democrats did this to you and there's a contingency of people that will believe them right so the, i think i think that we're going to see i, I really believe and i'm not a prophet uh, as it relates to uh, dealing with this but i'll say this i think what we're going to see is it's going i think we're going to see a couple more maybe five, six more days, and then we'll see a full court press when, when constituents begin to put pressure on their representatives. Mm. And that's what I would suggest to everyone that's listening to this, that you don't just sit back and wait for it to end. If you want to really help people, people say, well, what is, what's the church doing? I'm going to talk, to, I'm going to speak to that part in, in a minute. Mm -hmm. But every church is not financially uh, able to, to uh, pick up people, to pick up payrolls. Right. Some churches may be able to, and, and God bless them. Mm -hmm. But I think the, the common citizen who who we still have our jobs and we're being paid, what we need to do is contact our representatives, our senators, our, our, our mayors, whatever, and stop making some noise and say, man, pay these people. Right. Uh, put pressure on the White House to open up uh, uh, and and make some kind of agreement to get these people paid. And, and, and of course, they're going to be back paid. But, man, right well, now. Well, some of them right aren't. Time, really? Some of them aren't. That's the scary insane. part. That's insane. the very scary part. It's insane. It is. It is. And and I I just don't for the life of me see how anybody 
supports this like you know this so so what i think happens and i think it's to your point it's almost at a point where we we feel so bad for it's almost like a hostage situation you know where you you just hold out and hold out and hold out and you're just like fine just give them what they want to end this you know and i i'm assuming that he is hoping that that will happen um not considering the level of damage that it's going to do uh and and i'm nervous about this Uh, i was talking with my wife and she was saying that you know, because I'm like, hey, this is going to be the thing that does him in in terms of reelection. And she's like, people are going to forget and yep. people will vote him. in. What do you think is going to happen? Do you think people will forget this last month uh, of a government shutdown, which seems like incredible to possibly forget? But they've forgotten worse. Will they forget this? I think they will. Uh, uh, here's why. He, he, he dominates the news cycle. Right. We we have I mean we've already forgotten some of the crazy stuff he's done because there's so much of it. That's true. If if you were to go back and look at the the eight years of, of Obama's presidency, he Obama did not generate as much news cycle as Trump has in two years. True. And if you add in the campaign months mm-hmm. of the year lead up to the, the election, man, the, the, he has generated I say ten to twelve years worth of 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 um of media coverage and and, and news stories. Just from the dumb stuff he's done, and, and it's easy to forget it because there's so much of it. That's true. They, we're gonna we're gonna forget. I'm telling you what's gonna happen when the, when this government shutdown is finally over. There'll be a mass sense of relief, right? And the relief itself will open us up to more crazy news coverage, um, the bizarre things that are about to come out. Even when the, as the Mueller investigations begin to wrap. Mm-hmm. All of this stuff is going to come, and the and the, the government shutdown would be like what? 30, it was thirty days. That was nothing compared to the fact that, for example, for the fact that uh, uh, he borrowed money from the Russian mob. Now it's con- now it's confirmed. Mm-hmm. I mean, so there's some weird stuff about to come out. Weird, very weird. And I'm just sitting back, going, "Good grief!" Certainly, if the previous president had done a quarter of these things. You know, not only would they have impeached impeached him, they would have figured out how to put him in jail uh, or whatever other things they could have figured out how to do. But for this one, it's like it's just like, oh, well, it's it's Trump. That's just that's just what happens, which I just think is very awkward. So with that said, um, there have been a lot of churches and uh, civic organizations who have been stepping up to provide assistance to those who have been furloughed and as it seems to be par for the course there are pockets of people who feel as though the church hasn't done enough um you know i've heard of some churches who were able you know they took up an offering and gave three hundred dollars to some of the folks in their church others have paid off light bills others have been able to do more in terms of what they've been able to give uh what what are your thoughts on the backlash surrounding this uh, and speak some more to the to the place about uh, churches and their abilities to be able to assist during this period for people? I'll speak to a couple of things. And, and, and uh, man, I got my heart is so full as it relates to the church's financial place. Yeah, because of of the. Of the way many churches have have 
mishandled the stewardship portion of our worship. Because mm. giving, giving, Gerard, is not, um, it's not something we do in church. It's a part of our worship. It's a part of, it is me saying to God, uh, you've blessed me with resource and income, and I've taken the portion that you prescribe in the word, and I'm bringing it back to you. Right. It's a part. It's how we worship. The difference between a saved man and an unsaved man financially is what we do with our money. That's good. And so, one of the biggest issues is I think the church has been irresponsible in a lot of ways, uh, not just in the way we've handled money, but in the way we've taught people to bring their money to God. That's the first thing. That's another one situation. Mm-hmm. The second thing is um, most churches have a, be- a benevolence program which means people could come and apply for help from the church right um and and my church uh, certainly has one and the biggest problem we have is is that only 30 right now we only 37 percent of our members tithe wow and that's the and that i think is a little bit above the national average right so so you have this this handful of people giving tithe um and of that 37 percent that tithe they all not all of them give offerings wow and so and people say, well, the preacher makes too much. No, we, we preachers and everyone as church staff has a, have a pay scale like every other job have a pay scale. Right. I was reviewing our pay scale the other day. My church uh, staff is being paid below the national average. I, I'm paid below the national average. People wow. say, well, you fly a helicopter. The helicopter is not mine. It's the church's. And we use it to, to, to go between one loca- location and the next. It's paid for. It was a $650,000 helicopter that we got for 200 and something thousand dollars. Yeah. So, so really, we got it for a third of the cost, and and, and, it, and it does it does us well. And we, the reason we were able to, um, uh, the reason we're able to use it and maintain it is because it's an it's we, we we're part of a company that that actually handles the maintenance and the housing of it and and, and the insurance and all this stuff for us. Wow. So we don't we don't have that expense. Uh, but I digress. Going back to what I'm talking about is is so a lot of churches have obligations with staff and to take care of their people and in a situation like this because the majority of the people aren't giving, they don't have the resources. When you open Pandora's box and tell people, now uh, if your if your job has been furloughed, come we'll give you money. In in the summer of 2000, I think 2012, we gave away 630 something thousand dollars to our community. Wow! In the summer. Wow! When we ran out of when we ran out of the money, we couldn't do it anymore. We stopped giving, and you th- the community has never to this day thanked us. Oh my! They goodness. cursed us for, st- for when we stopped giving. Wow! So that's so the, the, there's 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 so much conversation to be had about the way the church handles money. Number one, number two, about the way the people who are members of the church who God has blessed financially, the way they fail to give, and number three, for the world's for, for the for the community's ungratefulness when the churches do bless them. Mm. Y'all could do more. Well, man, what a minute. Right. The first part of it is. Technically, when you read scripture, the money that, that comes into the church is not for the unsaved world. It's for the poor among us. True. The Bible says it's, it's that there will be meat in my house. In other words, that the, the, the house, the priest and the, and the Levites and whomever serve in the house, that they can have a living. Mm-hmm. That's what the giving is for. And then number two, if there's, if there's um, uh, needs among us, then we can come together and, and meet the needs that's among us. Right. But the church is really not called to go out and, and, and funnel the tithe and offering into the community. 
That's not what the church is called to do. And, and that, that right there ticks people off, but it's the truth of the word. Mm-hmm. Is it, is the tr- God set that standard. Wow. Right now, I think what has to happen is that churches need to find out, number one, who among us have been furloughed. Right. Who connected to us have been furloughed. And we need to try to meet those needs. Number two, I think the church um, needs to partner with other organizations. And if we don't have the money, let's find it. We can find it. We, we have, if you have enough staff or, or enough um, um connection we could find money like when, when they were when um during the last storm that hit the virgin islands mm-hmm. i remember um um there was not enough mo- we didn't have enough money to meet all that need but what we did we connected with with some people that had resources right. and we were able to sow a quarter of a million dollars worth of stuff into the virgin islands wow um because the, the, the people said we'll give you the stuff if you could get it there so we start trying to find a way to get it down there and finally when we were slow getting on um, the transportation to get it there the people said tell you what we will sow that into you too wow so we were able to we were able to give i think right at 270 something thousand dollars worth of help and we only came out of came out of our pockets maybe twenty thousand dollars wow that's awesome so there's a creative way to meet the needs so i think there should, should be creative ways to meet the needs Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Pick up the new release from Stellar Award nominees, Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir, titled True Story, featuring the lead single, It Is So. Pick up the chart-topping release from Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir titled True Story, in stores now and available at all digital outlets. And now, a word from our sponsor. Have you subscribed to Hart Ramsey's Uplift? It's his national text message service where daily you get to hear from the heart of God through the man of God, Hart Ramsey. Yeah. To receive this encouragement on a daily basis, download the NCC Family app available in the app stores for Apple and Google Play. Once again, to receive Heart Ramsey's Uplift, simply download the free NCC Family app available in the app stores for iTunes and Google Play. Uplift your spirit, encourage your heart, and empower your walk. Subscribe today to Heart Ramsey's Uplift. Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. No, that that's really good, and I think it does uh, bring about for one the church, of course, to be creative uh, and, yeah. and figure that out. But I will say that I I've not had a problem with the responses from churches. I think it's been a good thing that churches have even been willing to do that. You know, right. I mean, we've we've witnessed recessions and all types of things where, you know, people weren't able to do or it wasn't even really a thought. But for the church to be able to to get in position and say, hey, listen, you know what? If I can only give you three hundred dollars, listen, three hundred dollars when you have nothing coming in, <laughs> that matters. You know, yes. that, that it's a bill. It's um, it's meals. It's something. Um, and so what is this thing? Because you mentioned about, you know, obviously during that summer, I think of 2012, when the church gave away over $600,000 during the summer. And then when you stopped, people got mad. What is that about people who can feel like it is the church's job to give without any sort of appreciation or any, what's that about? 
Well, well, here's what it's about. First of all, those same people, Gerard, they have a problem with anyone giving to the church. Wow. So my question to those people is, if no one, if no one gives to the church, how can the church have anything to give? Right. I want to I speak to that from this perspective. There are people that, that do not understand God's financial system. Mm-hmm. They don't want to hear it. And then they think, well, the church shouldn't teach about money. The only reason the church should teach about money is because God talks about money. So we need to teach the people what God says about money. Right. David asks, what should I render unto the Lord for all his goodness towards me? And the answer to that is, he tells you what to give him in terms of your stewardship. Mm-hmm. My st- stewardship is the way I manage money. Stewardship is, is, is my budget, my banking account. It's delayed gratification so that I don't everything I want, I, I don't go out and buy immediately. It's me not spending money just to boost my ego or to get out of a financial, I mean, a, a emotional uh, doldrums. Mm-hmm. Um, so stewardship is... is, is, the, is Learning what the Lord says about how to handle your resources, your finances, your income, and your outgo. Mm. Now, the people who think that the church should do more, they don't understand economics. Right. And, and a lot of them, Gerard, they, they are feeding off stories they've heard from the past of how, of how certain churches and pastors have fleeced and manipulated people financially. And I'm angry at those leaders that do that. Yeah. Man, listen, I'll be honest with you. There's some, there's some leaders who are into a whole lot of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, people say, well, uh, Pastor, do you, don't you wear name brand? Uh, listen, I wear name brand when I could afford it. <laughs> right, right. You know, I mean, here's my thing. To, to me, the blessing of the Lord is the value exceeds the cost. Right. And so if I'm going to wear a Gucci belt for whatever Gucci belts cost, I'm not paying that money. Right, right. I don't, there's not a belt in the world to me, and, and y'all could hate on me if you want to, there's not a belt in the world that's worth $500. Agreed. I'm sorry. Agreed. If, if, if you say, well, but it has, a, it has a G on it, man. My name begins with H. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> until you can help me out. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying that, that there, there's sometimes we, we could mismanage. And I want to speak to this also as, as, as we in this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's, it's kind of off the beaten path, but you can't tell if a pastor is paid, let's say a pastor is paid, um, he passes a certain size church. He, let's say he's paid $80,000. I'm just throwing a number out there. He's okay. paid $80,000. Mm-hmm. No one can tell him how to spend his money. True. If he wants to, if he wants to spend, uh, um, money on a name brand, well, that's his thing. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with the, now I, what I have a problem with if, 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 if the money is being mis, mis, uh, appropriated or misused or mismanaged, I have right. a problem with that in every organization. Right. But but as as it as it stand, as it deals with now, um, what whether or not we're helping people in need, the, the church is called to help people in need. But remember, it begins with the people in the church. Right. It's not the will of God that you blow your money gambling or you blow your money on weed or you blow your money. On, on liquor or, cig- or cigarettes or whatever, and then you come to the church, talking about the church got to help you. Right. That, that's not, no, you see, no, that's not right. Right. But in a situation like this where we have a national crisis, I think the church need, need, to, need to put on its, its, first of all, we need to be praying yes. and asking God to make a way for us to have over and above giving. We need to take special offerings. We need to have special uh, um, um, meetings and, and think groups where we could figure out what can we do to help the people connected to the people that come here right. while they go through this absolutely insane time right. where where the president has lost. I think he's lost his mind. You know who shut the government down for thirty days? Right, for a while. So, so 
to build a wall. And so, so, and it's actually, it's a political play. Mm-hmm. It's a power play. And so we have to figure out a way to bridge the gap. I really believe that it's our responsibility since we have access to heaven. We have access to God, to the wisdom of God. It is the church's responsibility to pray and say, Lord, show us how we could do this. Or, we, Lord, we're going to set aside uh, this $50,000 in faith and, 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 and we're going to set it aside and ask people to replenish it while we serve the, the people that's connected because it has to be. Remember, here's the thing. Jesus talked about uh, the rich man, the story of the rich man and Lazarus. When the rich man died, the Bible said, in hell he lifted up his eyes. And so the question became, did the rich man go to hell for not, uh, for, uh, for being rich? No, the rich man, one of the things that he did wrong was Lazarus was at his gate. Right. And when Lazarus is at, at your gate, you are responsible for Lazarus at, at your gate. Wow. If, if, that, that translates to this. If someone is in need and they're in your vicinity, they're connected to you, they have access to you, you have access to them, it is your, it is your responsibility to meet the need if you can. Right. It is just, it's your responsibility. If, they, if they're there, if, they, if, if there's a reason why God, God has them within your reach, within your vicinity, there's a reason why God gave you the extra money. Mm-hmm. There's no church. None of us are going to receive any credit from God. You know, when you stand before the Lord, the Lord will say, well, I see here you in your lifetime save $100,000 in your bank account. Well done. Good no, right. it's not going to be well good, done, good and faithful servant. It's going to be, well, how, who did you serve with that money? Yeah. Yeah. See so no that that's that's good and my hope is that you know for for all of the people because we do see this issue certainly in uh, either smaller churches or predominantly African American churches where there's always a question of well where's the money going where's the money going and then the flip side is sometimes the budgets are so tight that yeah. churches are living like the people. Which is from check to check from Sunday (laughs) to Sunday, which is, you know, which is why, you know, when there's inclement weather, you can't close service because it's like, wait a minute, we're missing a paycheck. We can't do that. Um, And my hope is that a scenario like this would inspire churches to actually be prepared and have the proverbial rainy day fund or whatever you want to call it so that when emergencies of this nature happen, that the church will be able to be a voice to that. So let me ask this question to you. What advice would you give to pastors who need a financial turnaround and need to be able to teach their church um, about really kind of switching the mindset relative to giving? And then what would you tell the parishioners who are listening as well, some of whom may have a whole issue with us even discussing money? Well, I'll begin here and tell uh, the church, you have to establish a culture of financial integrity. Mm. At our church, we say it like this, we don't play money games. Right. So it begins by by you establishing a, a, a culture of accountability and financial integrity. If if you don't, if you don't show uh, your financial record, show let the people see where the money is going. Mm, that's good. That's the that's the first thing. The second thing is you have to stand flat footed in your pulpit and boldly teach. I'm not talking about preach or browbeat or accuse or or belittle. I'm talking about you have to teach the people. God's financial plan of giving. You have to teach the people what the Bible, go chapter and verse yeah. and show them what, how to do it. And I'm going to tell you something. I, I, I've been in church services. I'm not kidding you. 
Well, they take they take two and three offerings. Jeez. And, and here what, here's what I would ask the pastor. And sometimes they'll say things like, you know, oh, well, I'm going to start the offering off with $1,000. Right, right, right. Oh, uh, who wants to match that? And I'm looking at the people like, okay, you have $1,000 laying around? Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, who has $1,000 laying around? Right. And I think what has to happen is that um, there has to be some empathy from the pulpit with the pew to understand that, man, everybody's going through hard times right. financially. And our job is not, to, is not to take advantage of the people. Yes, we receive offerings. The people give to the Lord through us. Scripture mm -hmm. says they give to the Lord, we receive the offering for the Lord from the people. It goes into the church account, and then we use it to do the will of the Lord, to preach the gospel, uh, to win souls, to to, uh, to whatever uh, is the is the call and vision of the church. But what has to happen, uh, uh, Gerard? I really believe this, and I'm passionate about this is that we have to teach the people not just that they should give, but how to do it. The, right. What's attached to that also is is that how to budget your money. Yeah. How to be financial? How to be a good financial steward? Well, I'm not just blowing money. Mm -hmm. You know, um, um, how to how to downsize when it's necessary. Right. Um, stop telling the people that if they get, if you sow into this, then the Lord. Will, I hate to hear people tell. Uh, I hate to hear pulpit, the pulpit tell the pew. Um, um, this is a billionaire flow. Wow. How many people have become billionaires from you saying that? Wow. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, listen, I'm not calling out any particular church, in, 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 but I'm speaking in general. I'm just saying, I mean, just stop doing that to the people. Right. You know, the reality is the Lord says he gives you the power to get wealth. He didn't say, I give you the wealth. Mm -hmm. He said, I give you the ability. I give you the influence. I give you the, creati the creative ideas. I give you the opportunities to open doors. And so what happens to us is we, we, we teach the people that, yes, your giving makes you a partner with God. When God is your partner, it, matter of fact, if you are um a distribution center, God will always make sure that you have stuff to distribute. That's good. If 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 God will always make sure you have money. And I'm gonna tell you one good part about this government shutdown, Gerard, mm -hmm. is that is that it, it's challenging, especially for believers who their source is. Right. Man, I, I know this because I was in the military for eleven years. I, the Lord wanted me to get out after my fourth year, but I was too afraid to get out because I didn't know where my money was gonna come from. Sure. God has given each one of us a gift that will supply our life's needs. He said he's going to supply the need. But I think that as, a, as churches, we need to become very, very sober about the way we teach about money, about the way we teach about spending, about how we handle the money that, that, is, that is entrusted to us by the people for the Lord. Yeah. And, 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 and when it's time, you know, there are times when the people are going to honor us. The Bible says that the elders that rule well are worthy of double honor. In the, in the Greek, it's duplos teme. Um, um, what we will say is time and a half. Yeah. Or, 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 or double time, being paid double time. It's like being paid overtime. You're worthy of that because you put in the time. Right. But but we should we should not be living out of the offering plate. Right. And it, it should be that when the people give, we get a portion of the money. And, and if you're bivocational, which means you have a day job and you work for the church, you work for the church, then, then you set it up where the, where the church always have funds. Right. Um, many churches today, because of the unfaithfulness of the people, go from, like you say, from paycheck to paycheck, from Sunday to Sunday. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and then, um, then there's certain things that some churches feel like they have to keep up with other churches just to keep members, for example, do you know how many these big video screens cost? Right, they are not so cheap. Right, I, listen to me. The, the we was we were pricing one for the dome. Yeah, they they told me uh uh at, we gonna spend at least three hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Correct. 
Mm-hmm. Well, the first building we bought was three hundred and ninety. Wow. Holy we still cow. got that building. Guys, my right. thing is like, look, I'm like, okay, uh, well, uh, and I'm gonna tell you what I did. I commissioned. I called my pastors up, mm-hmm. and I said, I called my executive pastor up, and I said, here's what I want you to do. Find. I said, I need you to find out who the manufacturers are, and how do we become distributors. Oh, that's good. And so what I'm what we decided to do was, since y'all charge so much for this stuff retail, we're gonna go ahead and go in, and and buy, and get our license to be on to be sellers to be distributors. Right. And so what we'll be what we be able to do is is to buy it for ourselves cheaper. Yeah. And then sell it to churches. At, at a small markup and not this crazy markup that's in the marketplace right now. What I'm saying is that the church has to become more uh, aggressive in the way we do business. Even like the thing with the helicopter. Yeah. We, we bought into a helicopter company. Right. Wow. That, so, so so we're not paying the crazy prices like other people are paying. Yeah. Because we're partners with them. That's so smart. Wow. That's, that's the, I mean, just what we have to do. I mean, I think the church, the, the, the different things the church can do. Yeah. You know. So anyway. uh, I, I love that. I love that. It just makes me think like churches need creative directors and people who can spark or at least be involved in having creative ideas to not just help make money, but to do ministry better and all those types of things. And I think from a parishioner standpoint, you know, we have to get out of the space that says, oh, the church is all about money as if that's bad. Right. 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 What other entity do we know that does not run on money? You right. know, the, the saints don't the, the people even Christians don't understand that. And I think the the, the drawback for it is the African American community especially depend they lean so heavily on the church. How are you going to lean on an entity and not support it? Right. And and I know what they're saying, well, these preachers be stealing from people. Let me tell you something. Churches are 501c3 nonprofit corporations. Mm-hmm. Them rascals that are stealing from people, they want to be inmates. Right. They, they, they're, they're trying to be prisoners. Right. I, listen. Right. <laughs> Anybody try to be no prisoner? No, because the government has no problem coming after churches. The, no, and they have no problem putting you in jail, either you no. and your accountants. And they'll put you on TV when they do it. So <laughs> they're perfectly good with that. They're perfectly good with that. So yeah. you're right. And and this whole idea that because there's one bad apple in the bunch, so we don't, you know, support apples anymore. Like, that doesn't make sense either. You know, right. it's just kind of like, OK, let's let's understand that there are flawed people who do make mistakes, but that's not indicative of everybody. You know, everybody's not stealing money and everybody's not playing money games. There are people that are really trying to do this the right way. And uh, I just think it's important that we as, you know, parishioners really sit back and go, OK, let's figure out how to do this God's way. And if we're in a place that's not doing it God's way, let's either wait until they get it right or find a place that is doing it God's way. And and let's do that because we're here to be able to help those who are in need. And these furloughed employees are a great example of why the church needs to be in position to be able to help. Um, And so I think it's super important. So if you guys uh, know people who are impacted by this, let's find some resources for them to be able to help and figure out a way in which each of us can do our part. You know, it it may seem small, but, you know, maybe buying someone lunch or I've seen some people on social media, you know, collecting money on Cash App to give 
to furloughed member, like whoever, however you do it, you know, let's just figure out what we need to do to help our brothers and sisters in needs. And can we not forget about this in a year? You know, right. when we start getting these presidential candidates, which we need to talk about one, and maybe we'll do that on the next episode because we got we to gotta have that conversation about presidential nominees already. But uh, let's not be forgetful because, you know, we, we as Christians get hoodwinked, bamboozled, run amok, led astray. We let Pym- Plymouth Rock land on us when we get these two major issues that we've been talking about for 30 years now, whether it's gay marriage or abortion, and we let that govern how we vote. And we forget, you know what? There are a lot of Christians who were impacted by these furloughs. You know, there are a lot of really good people who mean well, some of whom even supported this president uh, who are impacted by this. So let's uh, let's keep that in the forefront of our mind. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We definitely want to hear what you have to say and engage in dialogue as well. So you can reach out to us by way of social media using the hashtags heart to heart. That's H-A-R-T, the number two H-E-A-R-T. And, of course, you can use on course as a hashtag as well. Definitely want to hear your conversations and your thoughts. Be sure to share this with your friends and loved ones and subscribe to this podcast as well on iTunes and Google Play. And join us next time as we get on course with Heart Ramsey.